Today our theme is creation, the creative act, you and I and the sacred as holy, joyful creators. But if we're going to reflect on this for the next 15 minutes or so, I want to set the tone. And I want to set the tone with a poem by Billy Collins. And the poem is called Introduction to Poetry. I asked them to take a poem and hold it to the light like a color slide or press an ear against its hive. I say, drop a mouse into a poem and watch him probe his way out or walk inside the poem's room looking for, feeling the walls for a light switch. I want them to water ski across the surface of a poem, waving at the author's name on the shore. But all they want to do is tie the poem to a chair with rope and torture a confession out of it. They begin beating it with a hose to find out what it really means. Today, we're going to water ski and wave around the idea of creation. We're not going to tie it to a chair and beat a confession out of it. We're going to play. We're going to do what the religious life, what the spiritual life asks us to do. Take some fight, flights of fancy and do some powerful and deep self-reflection. Did someone tell you otherwise? Did someone tell you that the religious life, the spiritual life, the point was to color within the lines? They told me that to feel morally superior to others, and to imagine that you are right and everybody else is wrong? Hogwash. Spirituality, the religious way, is to just let release that pulsating, life-giving spirit of love inside of you and inside of me and inside of everything that is aching to come out and to dance and water ski across the surface of the poem that is life. To wave at the author's name. To skip and dance and sing that love is all there is. Okay, so we're going to practice water skiing and playing with a story from Annie Dillard, who wrote Pilgrim at Tinker Creek and The Writing Life and For the Time Being and a bunch of other things. She says this, what is this writing life? I was living alone in a house once and had set up a study on the first floor. A portable green Smith Corona typewriter sat on the table against the wall. I made the mistake of leaving the room. I was upstairs when I felt the first tremor. The floor wagged under my feet. What was that? And the picture frames on the wall stirred. The house shook and made some noise. There was a pause I found my face in the dresser mirror, deadpan. When the floor began again to sway, I walked downstairs, thinking I had better get down while the stairway held. I saw at once that the typewriter was erupting. 
the old green Smith Corona typewriter on the table was exploding with fire and ash. Showers of sparks shot out of its caldera, the dark hollow in which the keys lie. Smoke and cinders poured out, noises exploded and splattered, black dense smoke rose up, and a wild deep fire lighted the whole thing. It shot sparks. I pulled down the curtains. When I leaned over the typewriter, sparks burnt around holes in my shirt, and fire singed a sleeve. I dragged the rug away from the sparks. In the kitchen, I filled a bucket with water and returned to the erupting typewriter. The typewriter did not seem to be flying apart, only erupting. On my face and hands, I felt the heat from the caldera. The yellow fire made a fast, roaring noise. The typewriter itself made a rumbling, grinding noise. The table pitched. Nothing seemed to require my bucket of water. The table surface was ruined, of course, but not a flame. After 20 minutes or so, the eruption subsided. That night, I heard more rumblings, weak ones, farther apart. The next day, I cleaned the typewriter table, floor, wall, and ceiling. I threw away the burnt shirt. The following day, I cleaned the typewriter again. A film of lamp black still coated the caldera, and then it was over. I've had no trouble with it since. Of course, now I know it can happen. Okay, that's Annie Dillard. Now, that's a good story. I love that story. I've told you my all-time favorite story this year. I've told you my third favorite story this year. This has to be in the top ten. It's just so strange. Annie Dillard in this story is is writing a book. She's in the zone. She's in that place where she is absorbed. Absorbed by her task, by her mission, by her life's work, what we religious folks call her calling, her vocation, and we all have one. What she has said yes to, what is hers to do and say, without which she would not even be alive. What is that for you? What grabs you and won't let you go? Here's what's happening in that story. Annie Dillard is creating, and in that process, all kinds of things happen. And on this particular night, she has a dream. And in the dream, the typewriter catches on fire. Who could know in this world what that story could possibly mean? No one. She's absorbed. She's possessed. And somehow the typewriter is like an extension of her. Like a blind man walking with his cane. Right? The cane's like a limb. Like Connie and her piano. Right? Like Ariana and her rituals. Where do they end? And the instrument begins. There's no separation. And she has no conception of failure or success. She has no sense of time. It's unbounded, yet embodied. She has no sense of praise or jeers. The woodcarver, 
king, the master carver, made a bell stand of precious wood. When it was finished, all who saw it were astounded. They said it must be the work of the spirits. The prince of Lu said to the master carver, What is your secret? King replied, I'm only a workman. I have no secret. There is only this. When I began to think about the work you commanded, I guarded my spirit, did not expend it on trifles that were not to the point. I fasted in order to set my heart at rest. After three days fasting, I had forgotten gain and success. After five days, I had forgotten criticism. After seven days, I had forgotten my body with all of its limbs. By this time, all thought of your highness and of the court had faded away. All that might distract me from the work had vanished. I was collected in the single thought of the bell stand. Then I went to the forest to see the trees in their own natural state. When the right tree appeared before my eyes, the bell stand also appeared in it clearly beyond doubt. All I had to do was put forth my hand and begin. If I had not met that particular tree, there would have been no bell stand at all. What happened? My own collected thought encountered the hidden potential in the wood, and from this live encounter came the work which you ascribe to the spirits. The typewriter is ablaze. It's on fire. She pulls down the curtain to smother it to no avail. She goes to fill a jar of water, which is not needed. The flame continues. It goes on. But the typewriter is not consumed. All right. For those of you who grew up with Bible stories, if something is aflamed but not consumed, what does that bring to mind? The... Yes, but that's another sermon for another day. The burning bush. The burning bush. The bush says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. So much depends on that here I am. The rest of the story of those Israelites depends on here I am. Your life. Whatever it is that's yours to do and say, your beingness calls out to you, calls you by name, and awaits your response. Here I am. And out of that, here I am, comes the creativity of your life, the creation of your path. You are on holy ground. The story continues. God, that burning bush says, take off your sandals. Moses, you're on holy ground. Annie Dillard, whether she's writing or observing or making a salad, knows that she's on holy ground. It's all holy. And she somehow has the gift of putting words to her experiences. Your gift might be something else. Right? Whatever it is. Whatever your creativity and how you express it. We're on holy ground. And what does the burning bush say to Moses? Two things. God says, I am here with you. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what happens, I am with you. And number two, Moses says, now, 
when I go back and tell my people about all of this, who should I say you are? And what do they say? What is I am what I am. I am that I am. So the other day I'm sitting with Father Paul Wacker, who used to be at Holy Apostles, 80 years old, but is now a priest part-time at Penrose St. Francis, where I work during the week. And he told me a time that he was at Jewish Hospital up in Denver, and he had a Catholic patient congregant who was dying, and a rabbi had a Jewish congregant who was dying at the same time. And after the two people died, Father Paul and the rabbi came together to talk and process. And um, the, the rabbi said, Father Paul, you guys, meaning Christians, Catholics, you sure need a lot of images around this heaven stuff. What is that about? And Paul said, yeah, we've got a lot of images from art and from the church and from our writings. It's just the way it's worked out. And the rabbi said, we don't have that so much. We don't need so many images. We don't, we don't even speculate about it too much. Father Paul said, I wonder why that is. And the rabbi said to him, remember when God in the burning bush says to um, Moses, I am what I am? In Hebrew, and among the rabbis who write about such things, we've decided that it's more like, go, and you'll see who I am. Go. And you'll see what I am. Wherever you are, whatever your journey, I'll be there. And you'll see who I am. Jump in. Start. Walk. And I'll be with you no matter what. The typewriter eventually stops burning. And it's not consumed. And Annie Dillard simply needs to dust away the ash and clean it up a bit. And it's good to go. She's never had trouble with it again. But now she knows it can happen. So the only way I know to respond to this story is to ask myself and to ask you, what absorbs you? What sets you ablaze? And what catches your typewriter on fire? God bless you, Finn. See you next time. <clears throat>